Welcome everybody back to the Rooted and Edified show. I'm your host, Katty Elias, and you're joining us for a special, special episode titled Parenting Right, Not Left. And to help us with this episode, we have a special, special guest, Stacey Manning. Happy dance for you. Woo, woo. Before I introduce you more to Stacey Manning, I want to remind you a little bit about this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Beautifully Rooted, which is a Christian mental health and education corporation. And this show, The Rooted and Edified Show, is a fun-loving, no-facade, Bible-believing, conservative worldview show for both men and women who want to hear about the four T's. Real-life testimonies, topics, talents, and theology, of course. If we can get a few laughs on the side, I'm completely happy with that. We want to help you grow deeper in the relationship with Christ and more mature along your walk. And if you have found that you enjoyed this episode, you really want to support us in some way, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to check out our website, which is www.beautifullyrooted.com, which is spelled B-E-Y-O-U, and we would love to hear from you through that website. This podcast has an audio podcast and a video one, so whichever is your preference, there's something available for you. Okay, so let's jump in. Let me introduce our special guest to you a little bit more. Stacy Manning, we're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Stacy is an author and senior editor for Them Before Us. She hails from the Pacific Northwest, where she and her husband of a quarter century are raising their three children. Outside of advocating for children's rights, she enjoys gardening, yoga, and spreading goodwill. You're so fascinating, Stacy. I'm so glad to have you on here today. I would love it if you would tell us more about yourself, about this organization that you're with, them before us, and maybe some more about the book that you've written and the book that you have coming out, please. Sure. Them Before Us began as a blog written by my co-author, Katie Faust, called Ask the Bigot of All Things. <laughs> um, we, yeah, right? It was an incendiary title in order to get to the point that supporting traditional marriage had nothing to do with bigotry. And as we wrote, we kind of hovered over the greater picture that we didn't quite realize we were hovering over until it, it began to come to light to us that we, we, what we were really doing was championing children's rights in all circumstances, that children have a right to know and be loved by their mother and father, and they thrive best when they're in that environment. So our first book, then before us, why we need a global children's rights movement covers surrogacy, same-sex parenting, divorce, single motherhood by choice, IVF, uh, what am I missing, adoption, and all the myriad ways we are requiring as a society children to sacrifice their rights on the altar of adult desire. It's fascinating to me. I thought we'd sell a few books, mostly we wrote it because Katie was being asked so many times when she was out speaking, because then before us, the organization really is her baby. I'm the writing partner and also champion of children's rights. I mean, this is all grassroots stuff. I'm preaching the word. Every conversation I get to have with a friend about why we're looking at this marriage and family structure incorrectly in this country. But alas, she was asked over and again, oh, do you have a book? Do you have a book? I said, oh, geez, I guess we're going to have to write a book. <laughs> so we wrote this book, uh, almost, not reluctantly, just I, get, I guess we got to do it. And it's been translated, I believe, into five languages. Wow. Because the truth does have a ring to it, whether it's uh, there's South Korea, there's Latvia. Um, I believe it's been translate, translated in Portuguese or that's kind of in the works, but 
it is what the world needs. And it's a way to shift the conversation from how children can be plugged into any and all family structure in order to serve the wants of the adults. When you're hearing the words modern family, you're hearing the words broken family because children are being denied oftentimes intentionally a relationship with one or both of their biological parents and and they suffer for it. Thanks so much for telling us about that organization. Do you want to tell us more about your new book that's coming out? We'd love to hear about that. Absolutely. That's why I'm here. We wrote a second book called Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City, Teaching Historical, Economic, and Biological Truths in a World of Lies. That's due out September 26th of this year. Which is 2023. 2023. And pre-orders are available as we speak. Great. Let's jump right in. And just so that we're all on the same page, hopefully the same book. When you use the term conservative in your book, in your stance, your organization, your discussions, what exactly do you mean? And why is it so important? Uh, We mean conserving the truth of the foundation and the foundational principles, rather, of our country. The biological truth, the economic truth, the number of lies and the number of the amount of misinformation out there, the lack of investigation and, and real true education, it's, a, it's abysmal. And what we are encouraging parents to do is not only immerse themselves, educate themselves so that they can become the experts in what values we want to conserve going forward in this nation. Would you say that it's a Christian term, a Christian concept? I say it's inevitably a Christian concept because conservatism by its very nature acknowledges the fallen nature of man. John Adams, I believe, said that only a a moral people could live under a constitution such as we have. Morality, as we know, is derived from God. Amen. The nature of conservatism, in, in my opinion, is inextricably associated with Christianity. Yeah, but it's not a Christian book. We do testify how important it is to find your people and how those people are going to likely be at church. And if you're living in a woke city, you know, even if you're not on the Jesus train, maybe you ought to take a little ride, go to the platform. Buy a ticket. Yeah. An eternal ticket. If we're wrong. Okay. But especially in woke cities, church is where you're going to find the concentration of people that you want to create a tribe with in order to buffer on all sides, your children, you know, children and adults behind enemy lines, essentially, we need, we need people. And maybe the best part, I mean, making, making lemonade here, but the best part about living in dark blue cities is we, we know who our people are. We stand out and we're a bit distilled. We also know why we think what we think because we have to, it's kind of a lot like Rocky. Rocky out in the woods. Was it Rocky Four? I think, when he fights Dolph Lundgren, the, the <laughs> Russian guy. And, you know, Rocky's out there dragging logs around and, and he's running uphill in snow and he's doing the training, right? He's boots on the ground. But Dolph, he's sciencing this stuff. Conservatives are a lot like, a lot like Rocky, whereas we're scrapping all the time. We are constantly in a position to have to defend our, our worldview in you know, woke America, but Dolph, he's a little soft, you know, he's not, he's not doing the hard work. So our people, our adults, our, our children are required 
to know why they think what they think. And they are, they've been equipped to make powerful arguments because, because they have to. Yeah. That was leading me to my next question, which is great, which is why in the world would we want to raise conservative kids? Kind of a pun, why in the world, but. Well, because our ideas are right and correct conservatism reflects a tether to reality and history and truth telling doesn't mean we're raising republican kids you know the party versus the conservative mindset those are often often two different things but we need to raise conservative kids because we need to write this country and if we continue to go off the rails with the ever changing the gender ideas and America's evil will have nothing that ties us together. And without community, without a, a shared sense of principles and, and love of nation, I, I think we're doomed. Yeah. You know, there's something that I just kind of wanted to put out there since we have a chance is in regards to children and being raised correctly. Something that's come out this past week, but it's come out many times and thought has been, we hear testimonies of people who have had this wild conversion story from going from drugs, from going through a particular way of life that is completely opposite and contrary to God, to God finding them and them knowing God and them having this wonderful con conversion story. And then there's some children who become adults and who kind of shy away from telling their testimony because they grew up in the church or they grew up with parents who raised them correctly, or they grew up with parents. They just don't have this amazing dynamic story of conversion. And something that I just wanted to put out there real fast, just for a quick second is if that's your story, if you are raised in a household of, of in the ways that you're about to explain Stacy and answer of how we can help our children. If you were raised in a household where your parents got it right, that taught you well, they knew the Lord, the Lord knew them and they, and you knew the Lord that is your testimony and that needs to be shared. And I was just thinking about that because you were talking about how uh, with them before us, how the, the family is being so broken down. The, the, the husband, wife, child, family is being so broken down that we need to hear from those people who were raised in a wonderful way to know the Lord and stand proud of that with a humble heart, but stand proud of that so that we can hear more of those testimonies. We hear so many broken testimonies and so many broken stories. We need to hear the intact ones so people can be, that they know that that's possible and that it's a great thing. Just wanted to put that out there. Did you have any thoughts? You know, uh, yeah, I do. I do because it's truly edifying having broken up in a wildly dysfunctional home. I was probably 23 before I actually met someone who came from a decent God-fearing home, had to be home by 10 o'clock on Saturday nights because dad said so, socialized a lot with their family, just a well-rounded, wholesome, well-raised individual. And I was shocked. Yes. Um, gosh, what a lovely woman. It was a beautiful thing. And I thought to myself, wow, it, it can be done. And turning over what's another, you know, another broken story, right? We have changed in one generation, the sins of my father and my husband's father, but knowing that that was possible was Amen. a huge piece of, oh, I am totally capable of doing this. And, and we are going to do what we wish we would have had. And honestly, getting to experience the adult portion of what we missed out on as children has been an exceptional experience. It's, it's 
created a pretty darn great family and having mom and dad here just doing it and being in the work that's the true privilege that we have in our society a mother and father at home it has nothing to do with your socioeconomic status the amount of pigment or melanin in your skin it has zero as a matter of fact you might appreciate knowing this one of our studies in the first book they studied and controlled for class size economic status neighborhood i mean they they normalized for all of these things and they compared child outcomes against one another based on race and when compared to white students versus black students who do suffer the most in in our country educationally if there were two parents in the home the difference between those two children launching successfully almost disappeared if the black family had god in the home it completely vanished and that's the amazing part is in the black culture god wasn't the home for a very long time that is the foundation of so much of our family culture and somewhere it went askew that probably take a whole another podcast to discuss where that went askew i think we could probably for sure join in on that but i just wanted to put out there real fast that if that's your story if you were raised well if you have family who loves you you know the world will kind of tell you well you're privileged and that's why and you know what uh, it is a privilege to be a christian it is a privilege to know the lord and to be reconciled with him be proud of that now have a humble heart but boast in the lord and that is what the lord does so we need to hear more of those stories before we go on to talking about being in woke cities can you define what do you mean by woke if somebody has not heard that term or they're just not really clear what is being woke i think it can be defined as those that categorize people of group identities do what they can to separate and convince that they are victims and then pit them against one another. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, let's talk about the current debate of where to raise your kids. I'm almost positive that there that almost all conservative folks living in non-conservative areas have already considered moving. At least within the past few years, that's for sure. Probably even looked for houses elsewhere on Zillow. You know, I'm just completely speaking hypothetically. But some conservatives have not heard God tell them to move. In fact, maybe they don't have peace about moving or again, hypothetically, well, maybe in our case as well. Some people are so adamant though that moving is necessary because they don't want to put their kids on the missionary field until they're older. They're so adamant. And then there's others who have the whole prepare your kids for the world, don't remove them from the world philosophy. So really the question that I want to start with with you is to move or not to move. What say you? Well, you know, I'd also like to add that there are some people who are in custody agreements that mm-hmm. can't leave their can't leave their children. And maybe they're caring for ailing parents, you know, the the number of reasons to move are myriad, but hypothetically, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get plenty of real estate listings sent to me by Mr. Manning. <laughs> but but here we are. And I'd say move if you can. Great. I would recommend that you move to purple states and make them dark red. If that's a throw a dart and just go somewhere, gird those states that are kind of on the line. Or That's interesting. That's an interesting point. Oh, thank you. Or you remain and train your kids to see the world rightly. And not, not every not every kid's going to be like, you know, my 
extrovert, I don't care what you think, kind of, this is the truth, bomb throwing eldest son, or nor hypothetically, (laughs) very gracious daughter, who is firm, but gentle with her, uh, her words, but they both stand very firmly in the truth. And because we know our people, and have integrated conservative adults and conservative kids and right thinking kids and Christian kids, they, they are insulated in a way they know that they have a place to belong. You can't be in an island. You can't just hide. And, you know, the children that they're going to school with are the, the future adults that they're going to be working with and, and the pool of where they'll hopefully find a spouse and, and make a life for themselves. You know, you move or you don't move. And I, I, I guess I'll stand on, on my move to purple states and, and help the electoral college out if you're going to. Otherwise, don't be afraid. It, you parents out there are wonderfully equipped to train your children to fight the culture war. And if you are, if you feel ignorant, if you have just woken up to the poison that's, that's prevalent in our culture, tell your kids, I just woke up and I'm, and we're late and we've got work to do and do that work together. It's not just young children that can be saved from this by constant, deliberate, methodical indoctrination, really, because all education is indoctrination. It's just gotten a bad rap, but we want to indoctrinate our kids into the right ideas. Take that journey together. If you've got older kids, start, start young is the very best, but of course, you know, be- beautiful flowers can bloom in adversity, as the emperor in Milan always said, you know, take on the adversity as partners. I love the idea of moving to a purple state. I love even just thinking about the idea of moving to a state that's that is not a conservative state, because I think that most conservatives that move out of places like here, where we're based in California or other states, they go straight for the conservative states. So that's that was a great idea to think of. Thank you. So if we continue, if we continue along that, and let's say that we've decided to stay put, like, for example, my family and I prayed about it. I finally, I finally said, okay, Lord, it's me. Uh, I surrender. Let's go. Once it started getting extra crazy out here in California. And I was surprised that the Lord didn't tell us to go. The Lord actually didn't give my husband and I peace at all about going. And it was, I think he just wanted me to surrender of whether we would move or not. And so the Lord has called us to stay, at least for right now. What he'll do in the next year or two or however, I'm not sure. I'm sure that a lot of you probably need to be praying on it and listening to the Lord. But for those of us who have decided to stay put, how do we raise our children to be conservative and think conservatively, namely biblically, when the influences around them, even the law tells them to be and think otherwise? Any any more thoughts or tips for us? I think the hardest, the, the hardest thing to do, I'd say a couple, there, there's two that, that I think are probably the most important. Firstly, mom and dad, you're going to have to have hard conversations earlier than you want with your children. You're going to have to cover topics that make you squirm, that you would rather just run outside and eat a bowl of broken glass, possibly nails before you actually broach the topic with your kid. But somebody's going to. So you don't want us to let TikTok do that for us or yeah you know bad idea taking notes here um, very good well i hope you'll have to buy the book there is this concept that we cover in our book that's called the founder's principle and it's essentially that a child who 
is exposed to something by someone will consider that person the expert on that topic. So if Johnny sees pornography on Bobby's phone at school, well, Bobby's going to be the expert on pornography. So if you want to be that that person that your child runs to for information or brings really hard topics to, you're going to be required to have uncomfortable conversations and cover things that are just downright demonic. Secondly, when covering those things and you have started to expose your kid in, of course, an age-appropriate way to some of these crazy cultural disasters that that we face on a daily basis, you're going to have to cultivate the no flinch rule. And not flinching when Sally comes to you and lays out some stupid thing the woke teacher said in class and the ever more stupid thing Sally responded to said woke teacher with, not, not flinching there makes you a really safe place for Sally to come to when she finds out her friend is considering an abortion. You want to be that person. While you might have that righteous indignation and you want to like pop off and scream and, you know, scream at the sky and cry out, cultivating that serene, hey, mom needs to think about that for a minute. Wow, thank you for sharing that with me. Can we talk about this, you know, in a couple of couple of minutes. I just need to, I, I got to go flip the laundry, right? Screaming in a, in a, a pillow downstairs, making yourself the most safe, the most, uh, the softest place to land in the face of infuriating, again, demonic stuff afoot in our, in our world. I think that people even listening or watching us right now are going to get good practice because even Thinking about the idea of not having any facial response or reaction is enough to create that reaction in us. So I think everybody just practice now. When it comes to your kids, it's really hard. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm I'm certainly not perfect. I, I've I've had some I've had some epic fails in my time. And then you can regroup, I, and I re- you get more chances. That's right, because kids are the, kids are so forgiving. I've certainly apologized to my children for totally flipping out because. There's a lot of pressure to be a parent right now. It'd be a whole lot easier to parent as an ignorant, left-leaning, go-along-to-get-along, just, hey, whatever's on TMZ tonight type of parent, but that's just not the role that I've been assigned, and I, I know you can relate. Yes. Do you think that there are any? there's a difference for moms and dads? Do you have different tips for moms and dads, or both the same? Go at it. Well, I don't think we separate behaviors and approaches between mothers and fathers in raising conservative kids. We definitely go after the glorious differences that men and women bring to a marriage in them before us, which is a very deep dive, very statistically based, lots of studies. It's kind of a manual for, you know, something you hear something about surrogacy, it kind of makes you feel crunchy, but you don't quite know why. Our book uh, lays it out very clearly what the ethical and moral problems are. So a little punch for for them before us, but no, not raising conservative kids, just, you know, it, it, it of course takes a team. I, I find it quite funny. At the end of our book, we, it's, it's a funny book, by the way. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. I'm very saucy. It, it's footnoted just to be silly. 
if you can't laugh, I mean, you know, we feel sorry for you. I'm so sorry. That's how I feel. What are we going to do? Just, yes, it's horrible. And life is a tragedy and we're going to laugh, but still speak the truth. So at the end of the book, we make quite a number of uh, jokes about our parenting of the year awards in which neither of us or in which we're uh, zero years running presently. (laughs) And we asked our kids to give the last word, like what was the, what's the best thing in our approach? Because they're all involved in the book. We have many anecdotes with our children, some fails, some big successes, some costly stories. And each of them, between us, there are seven children. And each of them said their, their father was the most impactful. <laughs> and we want to love that and support that. We love it. No, we said, <laughs> oh my goodness, every single one of them. except. And where's mom? Maybe the youngest. I mean, mom's great, but my dad has taught me so much. Um, so apparently the, the gentlemen are getting the parent of wow. the year award, <laughs> oh, wow. which, which is fantastic because we married, a, we married good men, um, definitely mm-hmm. prioritize family and, and are both very, very on point. Now, what about those parents who realized either just right now or recently that they're behind in training their children? Maybe they thought, you know, I'm teaching at the right rate, but the world is teaching at a much faster rate an internet rate, right? A 5G rate, or maybe like us where I realized, you know, my, my four youngest ones, or, um, I had back to back, they're only two years apart. And so in that raising process, I didn't realize that they got older. So I, so I had to stop and go, Oh my gosh, they're older. Now we're behind. Do you have any suggestions for them? My suggestion is to perfume the home with information audiobooks, um, assign them audiobooks at night. If you'd like to, if it's okay, if they listen to stories, maybe if you've got avid reader, we have a number of resources listed in the book. If you want to get a hands-on experience with a hardcover, um, Prager you, uh, podcast appropriate podcasts. Um, if you're looking to classic education, the Claremont Institute is, it might be the Claremont Institute posted, with a man named Spencer Clavin, who is a little bit controversial because he happens to consider himself Catholic and gay. However, uh, we might not agree with everything in everyone's field in any of the resources that we've listed, but the Young Heretics is, he is an impressive scholar on on the Mm -hmm. classics. And He's got some really he's got some really good information, really digestible information, especially for my for my children who who might not be ready to sit down and, and read the Iliad. Um, and and he also goes through um, books of or the parents. Bible as well. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> or parents. Yeah. Who has the time? I haven't I've been uh, the last book I actually read. Oh, but lots of listening, lots of listening. Thank you so much for that. I just want to put out there that I think it's important for us to look at our home and really check out to see if it's in order to take a really good look. It's really hard sometimes, but sometimes we're so busy doing things outside the home that we forget to look inside of our home and really look at is our house in order and God's order. And that doesn't mean that everything has to be pristine. That's our hope. That's our goal. But, you know, sometimes we're we're working on it, but maybe stop and take a look at is our home in order? Because sometimes I think about how is God going to call us to work for his kingdom 
outside of his home, impacting people, spreading his word and doing all those things when our own home front is not exactly in order. And again, we can't control everything, but I guess my encouragement is to put in the work, to make effort. First, start with introspection and see, is my home in order? How are my kids doing? Take interest and see what is it possible that I could do that might have some impact here so that they know God's words, that they are able to think in the right way. Yeah, good, good foundations make for good warriors and workers. You know, you said something there that, that reminded me of another, another thing with the, the busyness. Everybody is so busy. And especially if you have older children, you know, you are, you're schlepping them around. They're not yet yeah. licensed. A lot of car time. Car time is probably the best. I've got you trapped. We're not making eye contact. Let's, you know, either listen to some edifying material or maybe just have those conversations. I, I cannot encourage you enough to trap a bunch of teens in your car and really get down to what, what's really going on in their lives. Some of the funniest, most hilarious, wow, and then deep kind of conversations have gone on among the teens in the car. And you just can't manufacture that stuff. You know, quality time cannot be manufactured. It comes only from quantity time. So making quantity time your goal as, as a parent, even if that means you're taking your kid on a business trip with you so they can wander around museums while you're taking care of your business, including them in your adult life and constantly looking for opportunities to talk about why something isn't right. You know, you have to go downtown. God God forbid it. You have to go downtown Seattle or Portland. Then you drive by a, a sanctioned sex and drugs camp where people are prostituting themselves and poisoning their bodies. You know, that's a good opportunity to say, what do you think led those people here? What kind of policies do you think are in effect that this kind of living could, could be happening in a thriving metropolis? How could we fix it? What kind of principles would it take to turn this around? Is that loving people, you know? Yeah, I love that. And I just want to clarify what I was saying earlier. I don't mean that as a chastisement or coming down. It's just more of be encouraged to do introspection because certainly I think in our family, we felt, oh shoot, we're behind. We didn't realize that. We thought we were doing just fine, but there's something about trying to get those things in order. Be happy with that. If you're on your way, if take interest, be active. I love the tips that you just gave about even just being in the car or when you're on trips or whatever it is. So thank you for that. And be satisfied that you're working on it. And may I say, you're, you're totally right. There is no shame. We, this world is fallen beyond belief in such a rapid period of time. Like, and throwing new things at you. That is yes. crazy. So even if you're prepping up to a certain degree, you're like, oh gosh, look at this thing that's going over here. That's totally heretical. We are beset on all sides by absolute insanity. So no head in the sand. We just do the next thing. And if you're feeling like you're, you're behind, well, today's the day to start. Nobody's judging you for that. I say, welcome aboard because you know, my kids, I want to be a grandmother. I want to have kids that, that uh, a, a large pool of, of young, healthy Americans that have been properly educated or are on their way to a greater understanding. I, I myself, I, I was not a conservative when I was a kid. It took me until I was 18 and was exposed to Rush Limbaugh and Dr. Laura Schlesinger for the first time. And I thought, oh, I liberal isn't even what I thought it meant. I thought liberal meant liberty. I'm wrong. And that was my, my own self-education. 
that that brought me to a place where where I you know I'm writing books and I'm slinging arrows and I'm and I'm here. When I first met my my co-author, she I wanted to chuck her under the bus. Uh, she was a she was the new pastor's wife for the church, and she introduced herself as a social justice warrior. Ah, yet fast forward to twenty years with you know good influence and a lot of a lot of lectures and her own seeking of information and seeking knowledge and information, and you'll find the two of us and another and a third one the only three parents that signed up to be a part of the equity diverse diversity and inclusion at the high school meeting trying to pretend like we don't know one another as we totally tag team all the administrators wow you can totally uh, there's nothing but good going on there's no time to lay down and die there's there's no time for that go cry in your beer if if you feel convicted by this make it one beer there you go and then let's get let's get going. No uh-huh. time for self-pity and navel-gazing. What was that last word? No uh, time for self-pity or navel-gazing. Navel-gazing. Oh, very interesting. That's very interesting. Any, so that leads me into the next part about any words of encouragement for parents who are completely on board with you logically. Right here, they are, they're one with you here. But on the inside, they are trembling in their heart, unsure if they can do it. Any thoughts of how to handle the backlash they might get? Any words of encouragement that you have for them? Yeah, there's going to be backlash. But Jesus said, they're going to hate you. So you can either be afraid, which is also something that I think that he said throughout that great book. You can either be afraid or you can just do the right next thing and know that as long as you are attacking ideas and not people, which is a very important important thing to do. Um, you'll make enemies only attacking, attacking people and their decision-making and their ignorance. But if you ask questions and seek information and do it blamelessly and demonstrate to your children how to do this on a regular basis with adults who usually will lose it when there's pushback because they're not used to defending their ideas. They just live in a world where everybody thinks the way that they do. So obviously you are pro-abortion. I mean, you're a woman, right? Mm. Gently pushing back and standing your ground and knowing that you're not going to win hearts and minds, probably not at the moment, but if you can, if you can plant seeds and start to grow, you know, little ideas here and there and live in a way that of course looks different. If we're talking to a, a Christian audience, and not be someone different inside your home than you are outside. Teach your kids consistency, you know, no libtards, no Democrats, just, just the truth. I don't think I was supposed to laugh at that part. Sorry. Oh, I think it's funny. I, I came up with libtard Democrats and I thought I was hilarious because the book is very funny to read. Raising conservative kids will make you laugh out loud. It's like 200 pages. You'll fly through it. It's really a lot of fun, but to, to the parents that, that might be trembling inside, uh, you know, there's an easy way and there's a hard way most often in life. The easy way, it's never, it's never the right thing. Sometimes the path is narrow. Would you say the Bible tells us, you know, I would, I, I would say the path is narrow, but also I think it's, I think the story in the Talmud is kind of relevant. Um, when the rabbi comes to this young man sitting at uh, the crossroads, 
he wants to get to town. And the young man said, well, you could take the short but long way, or you could take the long but short way. And they're like, well, I'm going to take the short but long way because I want it's short. I want to get there quickly. But the short way, the easy way is actually littered with, with uh, debris and obstacles. And it's so difficult to make it the short way that the rabbi has to come back and actually do the work and take the long road. And because he did the work, the, the way was actually shorter. Just don't shortcut your way to the long road. Do the next thing. There's no need to panic. We're supposed to be here doing the work. And if your heart is trembling because you are convicted that you haven't been doing the work, well, change your mind right now and, and get moving. Something I think about is when we're trembling at heart is it's understandable. It's hard to go against pushback and we live in a council culture, right? So that most people are experiencing that. And that's why a lot of times Christians have, have not spoken probably when they need to. One thing to remember is that the Lord is sovereign. And when you speak, even if you don't get it completely correct, the Lord's sovereign, or maybe you want to try to get it correct. You want to prep yourself as much as possible. But if your words aren't exactly pristine and aren't exactly correct and they're right, the, the best phrase, the Lord can still work in that. And I think that you also want to be really cognizant of how is your spiritual life? Because if you are trying to train up your kids, the devil's not going to want that. Um, if you're trying to speak out in places that are needed, the devil's not going to want that. And you're going to get a lot of pushback. You have to expect that. The Bible tells us, why are you even surprised of these fiery trials that, are, that you're receiving? So you want to make sure that in your own personal walk that you are in prayer consistently, that you are reading your scripture consistently, preparing yourself for any attacks that might come your way. Make sure that you're seeking the Lord with all of your heart as much as you can. And if you don't quite get it right, the Lord can still work in that and he's sovereign and can clean what he needs to up. Any thoughts? I, yeah, I can tell you that the, the woke mob came after me personally, mm -hmm. trying to, once it was revealed on this mother's group on Facebook, these rabid women came after me at two wow. jobs that I held in town, a letter writing campaign, threats of boycotts. Both of my employers were taken completely by surprise. But, I, you know, I'm, I have I'm, I have a big working for me, an, an anti-LGBT. They had absolutely no, no evidence of this. No one had ever read the book. It was just a, a knee jerk. Oh, well, she said it. So it must be a thing. I guess Ball was hungry for its next conservative sacrifice. And it was devastating. My friend sent me screenshots. So some of these women I actually knew, some of these women I actually had in my, my contacts on my phone, it was a real attack. And I did not end up losing my job. However, the visceral hatred I felt for these women, how dare they, without one even contacting me, who knew me, oh, wow. to, to ask, ask even a, a question. Hey, do you hate gay people? Oh, let's have a conversation. Heck no. The, I, <laughs> I'm a little harsh. I'm a little harsh in the book about my feelings, but I can tell you um, my personal experience is that attacking people and not ideas will lead to a very hard heart on the, on the part of the person that you're attacking. And I know that personally. However, I do believe that that was God girding me. And I know that 
in essence, I have people to answer to, but I have one, one entity to truly answer to. And I made it through that and it was difficult, but I, it also spread the word of our mission. Amen. Um, it, it was hard. It was hard. And I cried and it's very difficult for, to, to be in the face of a faceless mob in a frankly pretty small town. It can feel like the world is against you. And your kids. Yet, and your kids. Yet, you persevere. You Amen. know where your, va- your value is. And you choose to continue on and not be cowed. Put, the, put your big kid pants on. And I came out of that knowing, oh, they made a lot of noise, but I'm doing fine. Amen. Thank you for that. Yeah. And yeah. I love the reframing of the, the thinking there of that... Yes, this is a hard time, but God is prepping me and equipping me and toughening me up, thickening my skin, right? In the right way, in the right way. And being in community, I think would probably be something very important as well. Having community that can, if that's possible and available to you, being in community can be a place that you can go to for extra support and edification and accountability, right? Oh, oh, yes. We are, we are not supposed to do this alone. The, The enemy isolates and that's where that's where he, he gets you. Without my friends, my, my pretty close-knit group of, of women alongside me, defending me when they, when they could, and you know, being their different, their, the different roles that they play in my life, the different parts of the church, I, I had people I, can fall, I could fall back on who could laugh about it when I couldn't find any laughter who got righteously angry. And I said, yes, I'm angry too. Church is, church is a beautiful body, right? And, and we all have our different goals. What a boring world it would be if we were all the same. And yeah, people. And for my kids, you know, if, if you parents out there decide to die on a hill, I say, go down there, you know, whether it be a, a school board meeting, a city council meeting, uh, writing an article, whatever it is, be prepared. Don't apologize apologies don't matter. They just know they've got you. So then you, then you don't even have your dignity anymore. Say what you mean, be righteous, never apologize. Your kids can watch you go through that and go, huh, well, that didn't kill her. That was really tough, but she didn't apologize. She had integrity. She stood for her values. And she gutted it out. And look at that. Now she's on, now she wrote a book and she was on Fox news this morning. That's crazy. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, what if somebody's getting pushed back from their kids? Well, you know, that's bound to happen. You know, I don't have that. I don't have that experience. Um, we, we went at it early and hard with our kids. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting pushed back, my gut tells me that they're going to go the opposite way. But it's your house. You can listen to whatever you want. You're the adult. You're in charge of um, access to technology and earbuds and freedom. And in a loving way, you can expose them to information that's true. And because truth has a ring to it, it's kind of, if, if a child is, is somewhat open and rebelling in a way just to rebel, you can't unring the bell of truth when you, once you've heard it. Yeah. I think a couple of scriptures come to mind of, you know, be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, uh, but you need to be prepared, be strategic, think about it, try to find ways. And if you lack wisdom, the Lord tells us, ask him, 
and you'll and he will give it to you freely. But don't doubt. We always forget that that next verse. Don't doubt in James one five six. You know, if sometimes I think if it's going to go one way and they're going to rebel anyway, well, you might as well try. Because what if they don't, right? Because if the end result is is that they may go that way, if you don't say something, even if you do, well, then you really have nothing to lose by trying. That's a little bit of the way I see it. But wisely. If it's your if it's your concern about an an issue, uh, biblically maybe they're pushing back. You're you're not going to get anywhere if you're trying to teach conservative principles by standing on the, on the authority of the Bible. You have to stand on the authority of natural law. Our our first book, then before us, is uh, again an entirely biblical worldview, but you'll find no scripture in it because. When you're when you're chasing a, a a secular mind, if they don't find the authority of the Bible relative, well, then you've lost them straight out of the gate. It's the same with you know what whatever kind of issue your kid is pushing back on. Maybe maybe it is a political issue. If you want to push them towards a more conservative mindset, natural law is going to be the path, and natural law, you know spoiler alert, pretty quickly leads to God. But it's a good place to start. I love that. Finally, one more time, can you tell us uh, where to pick up your books, uh, the titles, and how to find more information on your organization? Yes. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Most people say anywhere books are sold, right? But I know that those two for sure. Amazon gets the 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 best pre-sale so that the publisher knows how many books to print because those are the numbers that they really go on. Anyway, the new book, or rather uh, Raising Conservative conservative Kids in a Woke City is available for pre-sale right now on Amazon. And it will be available in paperback because we wanted to make it affordable and get it into as many young families' hands as possible um, on September 26th. And you can also get the hardback or paperback version of Them Before Us, Why We Need a Global Children's Rights Movement. If you want to deep dive into all things family structure and the policies that are are damaging the American family, the worldwide family, frankly. Thank you so much, Stacey, for that, all of your golden nuggets of wisdom. I know that there's way more inside of your books. So really, it sounds like everyone needs to buy both books. That's really what it sounds like. It's so, true. That's right. So let's jump now into our scripture section. Is there a scripture that you brought today that you'd like to share with everybody that pertains to what we discussed? Yes, yes. I chose Nehemiah 4.9. So we prayed to our God and posted a guard against them day and night. What does that say to me? It says, God, we trust you and we're responsible for for protection, watch, and constant vigilance day and night. So we do both. We do not rely on praying alone. We are, as some would say, oh, you know, so heavenly minded, you do no worldly good. We are the opposite of that. We are heavenly minded and we are worldly good. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you so much. 
I brought the two scriptures that I thought of today were Proverbs 22, six, which most of you have heard, but sometimes we need a reminder of this one. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Deuteronomy six, seven, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, definitely an exhortation to us. Kat, that's pretty much exactly that. We probably could have just written that for our Raising Conservative Kids book, but we had to elaborate a bit. There you go. Well, it'd be a short book. So uh, if there was one thing you'd like everybody to take away, maybe they don't remember everything, they'll have to go back and and re-listen, but there's one thing that you'd like them to take away from today. What would that one thing be? Parents, no matter what educational choices that you choose to make or have to make for your children, remember you are the paramount educator. Anyone that you invite into your child's life, whether it be public school or private school or charter school, they're your employees. It's your job. You've only farmed out. You have only contracted essentially the reading and writing and arithmetic. The rest is on you. And the more you act like it, the more the teachers will respect you as the authority and they'll act on it. Another golden nugget right at the very end there. Thank you so much for that. Thank you to all of our viewers and to our listeners who are with us today. We're so glad that you joined us. Don't forget that you can find us on most of the the podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media, which would be Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We post things on there that we can't always post on our podcast platforms. If you got benefit from today, you really enjoyed it. We want to remind you to go out there and subscribe and to check us out on there and feel free to tell your family and friends about what is going on here. Now, to end our discussion today, would you mind praying for us, praying us out, Stacy? It would be my pleasure. Thank you. Father God, maker of heaven and earth of Kat, I appreciate you bringing Kat into my life. I'm personally grateful for the opportunity to have this hopefully edifying conversation with this large audience. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity um, to speak on the things that you have put on my heart and that people are finding our information valuable. Um, I'm eternally grateful for having found or frankly been found by you and had the opportunity to raise a family. And I pray that um, for all the families out there that you hover over them, giving them peace wherever they are on this on this journey, which is hopefully a, a journey toward Christendom, um, and at least in conservatism, Lord. Um, I pray that you bless, keep, and shine your face on all those who choose to look up and hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Ciao. Bye.